The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Welcome to the best podcast in the annals of American history, Scream 101. I'm Brennan Klein. <laughs> and I'm Shannon Chalaki. And annals. That's funny. They said that in the opening to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's one they, of the... They did. I was quoting that. Oh, perfect. Great. Um, it works. Yeah. Welcome to our Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode, the second episode of our Halloween Horror Classics Marathon of October. Which I'm so glad we're doing. I'm like super excited about it. Yeah, Shannon's going to learn so much and she's going to be so terrified by the end of this month oh yes uh so shannon what are your 10 word review so my 10 word review is for moonrise kingdom which is on netflix apparently and um it's it would suck if it weren't a wes anderson movie fair enough and my 10 word reviews are cooties hilarious juvenile comedy with my favorite lee winnell character drag me to hell that's what you get for dating justin long an american ultra acceptable stoner romp that should have embraced its concept more awesome also it, it kind of amazes me how much uh media you consume it's scary <laughs> it's scarier than all the movies we've watched put together ain't that the truth anyway discussion as we move on to our discussion after brennan says the plot we usually say our customary um this contains spoilers which obviously contains spoilers because we're discussing the movie ta-da and the plot of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, when Sally hears that her grandfather's grave may have been vandalized, she and her paraplegic brother Franklin set out with their friends to investigate. After a detour to their family's old farmhouse, they discover a group of crazed murderous outcasts living next door. As the group is attacked one by one by the chainsaw-wielding Leatherface, who wears a mask of human skin, the survivors must do everything they can to escape. Dun, dun, dun. That's, that is a horrible plot. Why do they even say that? It kind of ruins the point of watching the movie. Like, I watched the movie without any information Which going in. Which is fantastic. In. I love watching Shannon watch movies that you don't know anything about. <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of annoying because I'm just screaming at the TV. Like, what? Why? Why are we doing? And Brennan's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Keep watching. Mm-hmm. Um... But no, it, honestly, like if you're going to watch this movie, which, spoilers, we already read you the plot, but if you're going to have other people watch this movie, don't tell them the plot, because it's way be- more, be- way more better. Way better that way. Um, or way scarier, at least. Okay, so, we rate all of our discussions on a five-point Likert scale. Um, scariness from one to five screams, campiness from one to five perms, gore from one to five severed limbs, and quality from one to five unlucky stars. Brennan, why don't you start us off with scariness? I will, but I have a question. Okay, what? What is the word you say before scale every time? Lycra? Likert. It's L-I-K-E-R-T. Okay. So, um, in behavioral studies, which is the major that I am in, okay. they describe, especially in research methods, uh, the type of scale, and a Likert scale is the type of scale that goes like the like one to five, like less likely, okay. likely, neutral, likely, most likely. Great. 
now that that's cleared up, I'm sure everyone in our audience will also breathe a sigh of relief because I just couldn't hear the word you were saying. Anyway, I'm glad I know that. Um, this is what you bring to the podcast. Thank you so much. And I rated this movie four out of five screams for scariness. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of those horror classics that's really divisive. Like, there are some people that just don't get it. Or not not, not that they're, like, not smart. It just doesn't hit them. And they're like, whatever. It was kind of... It was, it was Toby Hooper's first real movie after Eggshells, which nobody saw. It was basically his first real movie. So it's got this level of... Um, just a very raw, it doesn't seem like any other movie you've seen. It's just very kind of grubby, which is why I like it, but not everybody appreciates that. They're like, it looks like crap. And I'm like, I know, but listen, it's a scary movie. Moving on. Um, first of all, the opening scene is fantastic. It shows the camera flashes of a corpse that has been desecrated in the cemetery, and you just see little bits of it, and it's so good. Um they're um all of Leatherface's kills which are packaged in like a 10 minute segment in the middle of the film they're brutal they're insane um and it's one shot it's not like a slasher movie where you get stalked and then the girl takes her top off and then she gets i don't know like marbles roll down her chute and then it flings an anvil at her head or something dumb like that it's like someone walks into a house Leatherface shows up he's like hey and he whacks him on the head with a hammer they're dead they're gone and it's terrifying. Like, um, Jerry, who is the main girl Sally's boyfriend, he gives this high-pitched scream when Leatherface comes at him. And she's just like, ah! He's gone. And it's just really brutal and unpredictable because Leatherface just pops out of nowhere out of his evil little skull den. Did you say Jerry? Yeah, that's uh, Sally's boyfriend with the um, paisley shirt and the, like, hexagon glasses. Was it a Jan? No. Oh, Okay. He wasn't, like, Swedish. Keep going. Sorry. The sound maybe isn't the best, but the sound design is wonderful. Um, There's all these metallic clanging sounds that are going on. It's this really... It's not even a score. It's just noise, and it's terrifying. I think it's a scary movie. I really appreciate it. Shannon, what do you think? Okay, so I rated it three out of five screams. Only because this movie is, like, really macabre. Also, because it just, like, it made me kind of, like, kind of have anxiety. It wasn't following any sort of, like, formula. So, like, at the very beginning, you have those pictures of the graveyard, and then the graveyard happens very briefly, and then they don't talk about it again. They just leave. It's, like, whatever. But there's also, like, this opening shot where Franklin, like, has to go take a piss in a can because he's in a wheelchair, and he ends up, like, rolling down a hill, and I'm just like, why is this even in the movie? And Brendan gets so excited, and he goes... <laughs> Let's <laughs> talk some theory, Shannon. Yeah, he got so excited, and he was like, it's to make you feel uncomfortable, and it's so that you know that they're not afraid to, like, like hurt the disabled guy. He said something more intelligent than that, but that was essentially what it was. Well, because, well, in a lot of films, um, children, um, people who with disabilities, or people who are pregnant, they're kind of viewed as this innocence, like something has already happened to them or they have done nothing wrong so people want them to be protected right and this movie is showing screw you we're hurting everyone yeah exactly um so there was that also i think what some of the things that made it scary was that like leatherface who was i was expecting leatherface to be this like kind of a like esteemed killer right that you see in a lot of classic horror films he literally (laughs) 
<laughs> Brennan laughs knowingly. He literally was just like a little a little kid with a sledgehammer who like but by little kid I mean like giant man with the IQ of a little kid with a sledgehammer who like if you if you like see him and like turn away, he just like runs after you, hits you in the head with a hammer without thinking otherwise, and then just like pulls you into the lair. And it's very quick and it's very sudden and all of that like tension and like drama that was built up of you getting to know this character is over in a split second and it was yeah that was really really strange but the scariest part of the entire film i have to say is this part where they tell they tell one of the weirdos to go and get grandpa grandpa is a corpse that is upstairs in the attic which is not surprising because this is what's been happening this entire time on this film and the entire house is decorated with bones and whatnot yeah so you're like of course they kept their grandfather and he's just you know decaying upstairs anyway they bring him downstairs and they've got one of the they've got the girl what's her name sally sally they've got sally tied up and they bring the grandpa down real quick um, the chair that they tie her to already has severed arms on As it. the arms. It's an armchair. <laughs> anyway, so they bring Grandpa down. So he's just, like, sitting there. And he kind of looks like, like Bad Grandpa from the movie Bad Grandpa. <laughs> but he's just sitting there, right? And they take her finger and they stick it in his mouth, which is like... Well, they, they cut her finger. They cut her finger, right. They cut her finger and they stick it in his mouth. And I'm like... What is going on? And then the corpse starts sucking her finger, and I lost it. I was like, oh my god, why is this happening? Also, I was also kind of, like, upset about the fact that earlier they were talking about how the the hitchhiker that they picked up was a Dracula, and they were calling him that as if it was, like, a term for weirdo, and now his grandfather is literally sucking blood and, like, getting life back from sucking Sally's blood. Well, okay, well, he wasn't actually a corpse, he just thought he was. Right. Which is, it's just weird yeah it was weird so yeah that was really really freaky so that's why it's three out of five okay we gotta move on now let's go to campiness brennan campiness go okay um because it's such a good movie that i really really like i was thinking of rating it a one out of five but then i realized that's doing texas chainsaw a disservice so i gave it two out of five because it's actually it's a very very pitch black comedy like it's it's a comedy did I miss that? Well, <laughs> um, there are moments in this movie, especially when the family shows up, that are funny. Like, just genuinely, actually humorous things. And I'll tap into this a little later. But also, just all the 70s clothes. The bell bottoms, the hexagon glasses, everything is the worst. Yeah, the hair. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, so two out of five perms. That's okay. it. What's yours? So I rated it three out of five perms because of Texas. Uh, I have family in Texas. Um, and, and all your exes. And all my exes, you know, because uh, I got friends in low places. <laughs> uh, anyway, so just <laughs> Texas in general, like, as it, okay, this is where I admit really dumb things that happen while I'm watching movies. So while this is going on, Franklin, who has, like, the best slash worst Texan accent ever. It's, like it's so it's, I know accent. it's so whiny. No one else has an accent like he does, but he's just like, so where are we going and wh- what are we doing and I gotta get out of this wheelchair, Mer. whatever. Um, he, he there was that, and every time they were flying through somewhere, he was talking about his his uncle who who like 
was lived in Fort Worth and I was like huh Fort Worth Texas like that's weird um <laughs> and then they would like stop at a gas station that I swear looks just like a gas station that my grandparents in Texas own so I was like oh that's weird like it literally looks like Texas like look at this it's 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 Texas and then I realized that the thing was called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and that it actually did take place in Texas and I felt very dumb but the point of the matter being is that they did Texas so well and uh they made it just so ridiculously Texan Texan and then they had these Texans eat people as barbecue, which if you've ever seen Texans in barbecue, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> like, all right. So, yeah, three out of five just on Texas and the 70s alone. Great. And what would you rate it on gore? On gore. Gore, I would rate three out of five. Um, not because of the actual, like, killing shots, you know, because a lot of that were kind of muted, you know, uh, same, like like knocks on door all of a sudden Leatherface comes out hits him with a sledgehammer drags him away like that's it you know there wasn't any like wizard of gore (laughs) slashing like actually seeing him tear the body parts apart or or harvesting them they saved that for the remake am i right (laughs) oh i guess um (laughs) but the gore that i did like is just kind of like all the side stuff like all the creepy stuff so like making furniture out of out of people bones and like the armchair arm in quotes the armchair um (laughs) and like putting her on the meat hook that was crazy that um was pretty significant is putting the what's her face character pam Pam. putting pam on the meat hook and you're just like oh that's one of the times where i'm I'm i was honestly like don't do oh he did it you Mm -hmm. know well, like, you know how you have to spray Pam on a skillet before you use it? Oh, he was no. putting Pam on a meat hook before he used it. I hate you. <laughs> what do you rate quality, Brennan? A gore? Uh, yeah, do that one first. I rated it two out of five severed limbs because um, most of the killings in this movie are, are off screen but edited in such a way that they're really impactful. Like a lot of critics and a lot of audience members at the time thought they were seeing a splatter fest when in reality there wasn't a lot but what is there is really good like um leatherface at one point um chainsaws his leg open by accident mm-hmm. and um just a lot of the minor cuts like sally is covered in blood by the end yeah but just from like being slashed by the brambles and being cut on her finger like yeah. all that blood is really cool yeah she and carrie can go bowling <laughs> yes or or something so shannon what would you rate it on quality uh, quality, I'm gonna rate it three out of five Unlucky Stars. It wasn't, like, I could see myself watching it again with a group of people, because I think that it would be fun to, like, expose other people to. I don't think I would do it voluntarily. I think it would have to be someone else's decision to do that, but, you know, there's that. But also, I also recognize that it is a classic horror film, and that it did a lot for the genre, and that makes it, like, higher in my heart. Okay. I would rate it five out of five Unlucky Stars. There are a lot of classics that I enjoy, and that I appreciate, but usually I'll give them, like, Four out of five because like it's fine like um the exorcist would be a four out of five movie for me like it's great or poltergeist would be a four out of five movie where it's like i really like it but it doesn't connect with me so much but texas chainsaw i'm there all the way all the way across the sky um it just really impacted me the first and second and third and fourth time i watched it <laughs> um quick sidebar the first two movies I showed Sergio when we started dating were The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Breathless by Jean-Luc Godard, which I think pretty well explains where I am in terms of film history. Um, and anyway. your relationship. Yeah, that's true. He, I don't think he likes me very much. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, sound design, superb. 
um, cinematography is very grubby, which I love because it feels documentarian. Like this is actually happening, but also there's a lot of shots that are just gorgeous. They take your breath away and they leave you breathless. They do. And did you notice that this movie was pro vegetarian opposite of troll two? Yes, indeed. Which I enjoy. I thought it was funny. It was also, it was very Hannibal. It was uh, a Hannibal the cannibal with the cook you know frying up people's bits yeah well because um they were slaughterhouse workers and they're just doing the exact same thing that slaughterhouse people do but to people yeah which it's it's a movie that's just like here's why you should eat lettuce because this is what could happen to you if you were a cow and that's really cool yeah absolutely i i have to say and this should probably go somewhere else but um i'm really kind of bummed that it was a chainsaw massacre like the chainsaw was kind of unimpressive to me like, I feel like it would have been better if it was the Sledgehammer Massacre. That just, it doesn't evoke the same feelings, That's true, but, but, like, it was built up in the story about how they use the Sledgehammer to kill the cows, and, like, sometimes you have to do it a couple times. Yeah. And, like, they talked it up, you know? And I was like, man, that's, like, a, that's like getting in there. And then the first kill, like, literally, like, knocks on door, opens up, like, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, is Leatherface. <laughs> like, knock, knock, who's there? Sledgehammer, you're yeah, dead. Yeah, <laughs> just pop over head. And then that character that you started to like is just gone. Like, that's mm-hmm. it, you know? Um, no fight for life. And I kind of really like that. And then the chainsaw comes out, and I'm like, I am so bored with this. Like, <laughs> I don't really care. And it wasn't even, there wasn't any, any good blood effects, you know, et cetera. No, anyway. no spraying chainsaw blood. All right. Yeah. Um, Shannon, what's your champion dialogue? Yay, my favorite part. Uh, okay, so champion dialogue comes from uh, one of our most hated characters, Franklin, which is, uh, he says this part, and it, he, like, is left out by the car, and everyone goes inside, and he has to push himself into the house himself, and the house is, is a jungle. Like, the like the like all the brush, it, there it's... I, I don't know how they intended on staying there, because there were no yeah. beds. It was it was just piles of spiders instead of beds. Yeah, and it, it was totally compromised. Like, there's no way anyone should be living slash work, like, walking up the stairs or, like, yeah. it was bad. Anyway, he ends up wheeling himself over all this br- brush and into the house. And this is after he's fallen down a hill trying to take a pee and also been cut with some, like probably HIV knife of this other, the slaughterhouse hitchhiker that they picked up. It was the 70s. AIDS didn't exist. Oh, God. Um, uh, They're straight. How could it it affect them? (laughs) Anyway, uh, so he gets into the house and then he says this. Come on, Franklin. It's going to be a fun trip. If I have any more fun today, I don't think I'm going to be able to take it. And I only really like that scene or that that dialogue because he just like is pretty much he's like summarizing my experience with this movie so far. <laughs> so, yeah. What is yours? All right. My favorite dialogue is a line said by the cook who is the father of the cannibal clan. And it is the following. I just can't take no pleasure in killing. And I just think it's so funny to have that kind of twisted morality about things because it's true. He doesn't kill anyone. Leatherface does that for him, and he yeah. just cooks them, yeah. and it just kind of displays that extra level of how insane they are. Yeah, I mean, okay, I really hate to draw this this line, but I feel like it was very, like, Master Blaster-esque from Thunderdome. From, yeah. You know, because it was like... Because there's a leader and the tiny guy who controlled everything. Yeah, exactly. And, and both Leatherface and um, Blaster were both, like, these, like, kid-like tool yeah you know so yeah i don't know that was like what was up in my brain 
That's you true. Got it. And well, I think because we're not doing the Splatterdome this time around, I'm really happy you brought up Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Oh, that's so right. thank you. That's right. Yeah. So who, what was your favorite character? My favorite character is Leatherface. Okay. I think he is so or um Gunnar Hansen's performance as Leatherface is so nuanced. I love his tiny baby teeth. Um I love that when they have Sally over for dinner, he uh, dresses up in his best face and he it's the lady face with all the makeup just because he wants to look pretty for the guests and he has this adorable suit with this nice tie that he wears while he's chainsaw massacring people i just really appreciate his innocence like he doesn't know what he's doing and toby hooper has actually said that um this film he drops you in on the worst day of the lives of the main characters but it's also the worst day of Leatherface's life because all these people are intruding on his house and he doesn't know what to do because he's all alone. So he kills him. And it's like, I understand that. And I really like him. He doesn't know what he's doing. All right, cool. My favorite character was Kirk, um, mostly because he looks like uh, not Arnett. What's, who's the other Will? What? Pharaoh? No. Will. I think it's Will Forte. Who's the guy who does... He's He, he does the um, MacGruber. Yeah, that's Will Forte. Will Forte? Okay, yeah. So for some reason, Kirk reminds me of Will Forte. And he's just, like, kind of really caring. And he's the one who kind of jumps to helping Franklin more than Sally does. And Sally's his own sister. Um, so I think that just really did a lot to his development of character. And for your liking of him is the fact that he's always the one to, like, help Franklin do things. Um, and other than that, like, there wasn't really that much dimension to all these characters. Because we didn't really get to know them on a more personal level. Yeah, it's, it's like a campfire story. You don't yeah. really need to know them. You just yeah. need to see the awful things that are happening to them. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, I, I think I just liked him because he was pretty and he, was, he pretty. was nice. So, yeah, that's why he's my favorite character. Cool. And favorite scene. I'm going to say my favorite scene first. If Go you don't for mind. it. So, my favorite scene is um, when Sally's, like, in the house being chased by, by Leatherface and she just decides to jump out the window. But there isn't any buildup. There isn't any, like, she's looking for things to, like, like where to go and she, like, sees that she's, like, you know, cornered. No. It was just full on turns, runs out window. First choice. And I was like, wow. Like, way to go, lady. That's, hmm. Okay. It's a powerhouse movie. Just everything happens so much. Yeah. It was stressful. And my favorite scene is another stressful scene, which is the entire scene at the dinner table, which I love so much, mm. where they have Sally tied up, they introduce her to Grandpa, he sucks her finger, they try to get Grandpa to slaughter her with a hammer, but he's basically a corpse, so he keeps dropping the hammer. That was super comical. It was weird. Yeah. See, that was part of the dark comedy that's okay. going on. and But it's also terrifying because like if he does hit her, she's going to die. Yeah. And he hits her like slightly, and she gets this really good like bloody lump on her head. That scene is shot with... Sally is screaming for like 20 straight minutes and it's all these great close-ups of her her eyes are beautiful but these great close-ups of her eyes just red and full of tears and this metallic screeching is going on in the background and it's this very avant-garde editing style that's the word that you used to describe it where you're like what is happening yeah and it's just a a uh it's just it's a sledgehammer scene like it just keeps on pounding at you and you don't know what's happening and it's kind of funny but it's also terrifying and i love it yeah yeah that was that was a great scene yeah <laughs> all right so, so now we get to talk about um our feature that we're using for our halloween mega marathon is that what we're calling it what do we call it again it's something horror classics marathon oh yeah horror cl halloween horror classics marathon uh, and we call this pillowcase talk where Brennan and I get into our costumes. Today, I'm getting into my Farrah Fawcett bell bottoms with my Farrah Fawcett hair. I'm going to bleach it all blonde first. 
and I'm gonna put on my uh, skin mask and my best tie. <laughs> Wonderful. And so in this feature, we talk about things um, that would be in your pillowcase uh, when you get go trick or treating, and discuss uh, different parts that correlate and coordinate with these candies. So I'm gonna start with our big flaw. Okay. And I'm gonna say that this week the big flaw is a box of raisins because we and by we I mean myself, Brennan, Lucas, and Henry, which is Lucas's girlfriend, um, we're all talking about like what is the worst thing to get in a pillowcase and we've got a couple things but i'm gonna say that this week it's raisins because that's very sad to get okay okay so that's the big flaw um the big flaw for the movie for me was that it was called texas chainsaw massacre because the chainsaw was so drab like so only two of the killings were actually done by chainsaw the first and the third were done one by sledgehammer and second by by hook essentially um so it wasn't really a massacre. And while we were watching, I turned to Brennan and I was like, what makes this a massacre? Like, why isn't this just a killing? Or why isn't this just like well, a... it's like four people. Yeah. Yeah. But is that a massacre? Could be. Okay. Whatever. But yeah, we'll, the chainsaw part... We'll consult part. Uh, Dr. Webster of the dictionary. <laughs> yeah. So the chainsaw part... The chainsaw um, having so much importance on a movie where the chainsaw wasn't even utilized properly was sad. I mean, I we, we should have called like Evil Dead like... Ash's Chainsaw Massacre. Like, that would have been <laughs> something, you know? She's a chainsaw purist. Pretty much. I also... You know how I feel about the sledgehammer and how that was wildly underappreciated. So... True. Okay. What's your raisins? Um, yeah, my... The biggest flaw with this movie to me is the character of Franklin, who's just the most obnoxious person that I've ever had the displeasure of watching on screen. And it fits in with the tone of the movie... You're not supposed to really like what's going on in the movie, but he's just over the top. I'm not a fan. The next candy is eye candy, so which is the best shot of the film. Shannon, what do you think is the best shot of the film? Okay, so there was a lot of really strange avant-garde shots that we were talking about that were like kind of spliced in with the rest of the weird, like like Brennan says, grubby movie. Um, but my favorite shot was actually at the very, very end where Leatherface is just like twirling around his chainsaw like like he would like a friend in a field of of poppies but <laughs> meanwhile the sun is setting in the background so he's completely silhouetted and it's just this orange and red and it is gorgeous i mean it is beautiful so yeah that's that's my favorite shot yeah the the chainsaw dance at the end would have been my favorite shot as well um because it's so because you're just filled with this chainsaw noise and then just in the middle of a swing it cuts to black and sound is gone, vision is gone, and the film is over, and it's just this breathtaking end to everything, which is great. Um, but my shot that I will choose, just to have something to talk about, and it's still fantastic, is the shot when they're picking up the hitchhiker in the van, because it's this enormous wide vista of Texas behind the van, and the hitchhiker's running up to it, and it's just this random spot of just gorgeous cinematography in the middle of this movie that so far has been kind of cramped and sweaty and hot and it's just like oh, this guy knows what he's doing yeah it was kind of like north by northwest it was like those long landscape shots it was yeah cool all right so the next one is uh three musketeers which is if we had a co-host an additional co-host that was just another character who would we pick so brennan who would you have picked i would pick pam who is kirk's girlfriend because she can i mean she knows all about horoscopes which is something that i feel like we should be talking about at some point and i don't know i just like her she's cool yeah and i i would say that the cook would be our cohort co-host because he has these 
weird morals and would say just very strange things. I mean, I'm just thinking about the part the usage was to your champion dialogue where he was just like, I ain't, yeah. I ain't good for killing or whatever he said. You know, he would say things like that as we're discussing other horror films, which I think is really funny. That's great. He's so. like, I don't appreciate this. Well, yeah. he's eating a brain or something. Yeah, exactly. So I think that would just be, that would be funny. Cool. All right. And our next candy is Milk Duds, which is the stupidest character that makes the worst decisions. So what is yours, Shannon? Um, mine is Kirk and Pam, despite the fact that I liked Kirk the most. Um, Kirk and Pam just decide like, we're going to run off in... Well, first of all, we're, we're all going to go to this house that is decrepit. <laughs> and then after that, we're going to go find the watering hole. The watering hole is filled up. What do we do then? Oh, there's... No, it's dry. Dry. That's what I meant. Dry. The water hole is dry. What do we do now? Oh, there's some. There's a gas line over there. Someone has gas. Let's go see if we can get gas from them. And then they knock on the door and then they get killed. It's literally like the weirdest stream of three minutes where they just leave and die. Yeah. Yeah. And I know what Sergio would say if he were here. He would say that all the characters are the stupidest character. Pretty much. But mine is Kirk, again, because he goes into the house. He's It's a stranger's house. It seems to be empty. He hears a weird pig noise, and he's like, I'm going to walk in through this unlocked door. No, thank you. Goodbye, Kirk. Um, in the middle of Texas. You should know that if you walk into someone's property, if you walk on someone's property in Texas. They'll shoot you. They have the, yeah, they have the they'll ability and you. right to, to shoot you. So, dumb. <laughs> All right, and our final object that we're pulling out of our pillowcase is the razor blade apple, which is, why is this film scary? So, Shannon, what do you have to contribute to this? Um, I thought this movie was scary because, like, you have no idea what's going to happen. Like, it is not predictable at all. I didn't know anything about the film, but I knew that it was like, okay, Leatherface is the bad guy and, like, uh-huh. whatever. Even Leatherface, like, was completely, completely... um new to me like the way that he acted i i thought it was just very strange so i think what made it really scary is just that ability to be like wait what why is this happening what how did this oh my gosh why is this happening this is creepy this is gross oh this is weird so yeah yes and i have i have like a treatise written about why this movie oh, is scary. Boy. let me take you back to a time called 1974 First of all, I mean, this movie is brutal and unpredictable. It's got that sledgehammer quality where it just whams you over the head. But also, it's a movie about the economic collapse in Texas in the 70s. It's about, well, because there's little bits in the movie where it's like um, the cook goes to turn off the lights in the gas station before he drives away with Sally in this sack after he beats her with a broom. He's like, can't ring up those energy bills. And it's this whole thing about um, the new slaughterhouse mechanisms are putting slaughterhouse workers out of work so they've turned to killing people and eating them and it's just kind of like the most dangerous extension of what was going on at the time it was this cool thing about how like the awful violence of vietnam that everyone was watching but was really far away like it's coming home to us the idea that something is foreign and completely um not understandable in our own home territory is something that's scary and i think it's a cool movie the end signed brennan klein (laughs) Great. Yeah, that I didn't even know that. I, that like makes me appreciate the movie more. Yeah. Knowing that. Yeah. But I'm a sucker for backstory and like explanations and Me too. Whatever. Okay, so on to the games. We only have two games, which is going to be great. Uh the first one Well, um this one is a revival of the Killer Categories game that was based off of King's Cup on my 21st birthday episode, which is kind of just like a round robin thing where we go back and forth and say um like stereotypical horror movie things that happened in this movie and whoever can't think of one in like 10 seconds loses oh god okay that makes sense 
Sure. Do you want me to start? Yeah, let's just fucking do this. All right. Um, human barbecue, like feeding humans to other people. That was gonna be mine. Oh no. No. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say, uh, like entering entering a house with like knocking on the door, but entering mm-hmm. when it's not when it's open because it's open. Okay. Um, evil neighbors. Um, I'm gonna lose this already. Oh, you sorry. watch. Oh, out of gas. Good. Um, vacation gone awry. Oh yeah yeah okay. Um, uh, meet an unwelcome stranger. Uh huh. Um. Oh god. Oh, this is tough. Yeah. Well, it's unpredictable. That's the whole point exactly. of the movie. Exactly. So. Um. Not adhering to what the title promises. <laughs> right. Um. That you have the one character who's whining and always telling them like, "Don't do that. Or don't go." Uh. Final girl. But I I kind of want to say like just like in, in resp- like unresponsive uh, police because like the policeman was like drunk. Oh right? yeah. He was like out of it. He was. That's good. Um, killer in a mask. Someone tied up in somewhere like like torture essentially. It's like tied up in somewhere equally as, as scary. Okay. A little uh, bone hanging art pieces. Okay. Because they, they made, like, little um, bone sculptures that they hung, which yeah. also happened in, like, Blair Witch and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that was the movie that I was thinking of. And I haven't even seen that one, but I knew that that was the thing. I kind of want to say, like, like, stay away from that one house. Uh-huh. You yeah. Know? That's fair. That's a but good it, it's also kind of funny, because, like, they were told to stay away from that house by the cook, because he, that is his house. Yeah, he's going to kill you. Yeah. So. And I think I'm out. I think we'll call it Shannon won that one. You did a good job. I kind of did. I say we both did because it was a weird movie to have to play this game with. <laughs> well, I mean, it started the slasher tropes, basically. Yeah, like, I mean, the true. seeds were there. That's true. So it was a good one. All right, cool. And the next game we're playing is a new game that we decided to play for Halloween. It's called Trick or Treat. Yay. It's I have 10 true or false questions. Um, the tricks are the false ones and the treats are the true ones. And you have to guess which one is right. And we'll see how many points you get by the end. Yay. I do want to say that I came up with this game, and Brennan has come up with every other other game, but I came up with this one. <laughs> Mostly. No, it was good. It's a good game. Kay. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. All right. Number one. Is this a trick or is it a treat? True or false or true? Um, the craft services coordinator brought pot brownies to set one day. True. That is true. <laughs> yeah. It's the 70s. Also, it's a weird avant-garde film. Yeah. Um, number two. The house was decorated with real skeletons. Um, when we say real, are we talking about like, like real human people, actual mm, skeletons? False. That is true. Really? There were real corpses. They're cheaper than fake ones. Did, um, they, did they kill and eat them too? Save yes. Money? I, no, that was that. That's a that's a trick. I tricked you. <laughs> um, number three. A grip died of heat stroke while filming the dinner scene. Uh, I'm gonna say false because I don't think it's this is one of the cursed movies. No, and it is false because they couldn't afford grips, and also no one died. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Um, number four, uh, Gunnar Hansen, who played Leatherface, is a poet. True. That is true. Okay. Because his name is Gunnar Hansen. Like, if you don't become a poet, that's just a crime. This next one is, <laughs> the guy who played Grandpa was actually 17. I can say that's true. That's actually false. Oh. He was very young, though. He okay. was probably in his 20s. Okay. Um, the next one is, the original title was Home on Deranged. Man, I'm gonna say that's false only because I think that you came up with that title. I did. Yes. <laughs> that one. That one's not true. That would have been great though. That's the title of our our horror film that we'll make. Okay, good. Come on, deranged. Uh, and next one. The cinematographer of this film shot Ed Sheeran's Thinking Out Loud video. Uh, this this movie was made like what? Seventy four. Forty some odd years ago. Forty two years ago now. Forty one. 
It was the 40th anniversary last year. Oh, 41. I'm going to say false. It's true. What? He got to work with Ed Sheeran. I bet he was excited. More like Ed Sheeran got to work with him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, next one. Um, Toby Hooper was briefly arrested on charges of making a snuff film. When you say snuff, do you mean blue film? Like actually killing people. Oh, what? I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, because it's like so realistic. They think he was actually killing people on screen. Uh, true? That's actually false. Okay. But that story I took from Rogero Diodato, who did Cannibal Holocaust, who was tried in Italy. He had to bring out the actors to show that they were still alive. Wow. Yeah. Fancy. Did he pull him out of a hat like a bunny? Yes. Um, next one. Uh, the house that they shot the film in later became a restaurant. Oh, I sure hope so. I hope it's a barbecue restaurant. Please be a barbecue <laughs> restaurant. True? It is true. Yes. I think it is has now closed down as Aww. of like 2009, but it was a restaurant for a very long time. Oh, cool. That's good. And the final one. In the dinner scene, uh, Marilyn Burns, who played Sally, her finger really was cut open by the knife. Yes? Yeah, that's true. Oh. Um, the oh wait, then he sucked it? Yeah, the scene wasn't going very well, and the effects weren't really working. So Gunnar Hansen got really frustrated because they were having like a 20-hour shoot day. So he just cut it, and the guy sucking on her finger had no idea. He didn't know it wasn't fake. Oh, my God. Because he thought it just started working. So that's the thing. Oh. Don't shoot indie movies in Texas. God. But you got six points out of ten. Yay. Also, Gunnar Hansen, mm bop. Ba, ba, um, ba. I couldn't not make that joke. I was waiting for that to happen. I'm sorry, but you did it. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Thanks. So what's your recommendation for people who agreed with you about this movie? Okay, so I changed my recommendation because <laughs> oh, nice. I'm so excited about it. Okay. I was going to say your next because there's like my favorite part of your next one of them is when um, Australian girl who's injured actually jumps out of a window. So I was going to say it's like an also a good window movie, but <laughs> but it's I'm going to recommend... Genre. I'm going to recommend um, Thunderdome instead. Okay. Yeah, because I realized that, like, when you add on the Texas economic crisis with, like, the environmental crisis that they depicted in Thunderdome, it, like, adds layers, and it's equally All right. there. Fine. Yeah. That's great. Um, and my recommendation is Twitch of the Death Nerve, which is an Italian film. Bay of Blood. Yeah, it's also known as Bay of Blood, also known as Reazione a Catena, which means chain reaction. Also known as The Last House on the Left Part 2, even though it came out a year before The Last House on the Left. Italian films are fun. Um, it's another proto-slasher that was kind of defining the rules of slashers before they really came into being in the 80s. And it's a really artistic, beautiful film. And you should check it out. Italians. Mm-hmm. And we will reveal the answer to our clue from last week, which is that next week we'll be watching John Carpenter's The Thing, which... I'm pretty sure Shannon's super excited about. I am very... I haven't seen it. I'm so excited about it. I mean, obviously, that's the point of our podcast is that a lot of times I haven't seen the thing. But, um... Huh, the thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, I really enjoy John Carpenter's films They Live and Halloween, and so I'm interested to see how this will fall into the repertoire of which I have seen. Yeah, I'm very excited. And the clue for two weeks from now is... By the hammer of Thor, I swear that this next film will make you rethink your next camping trip. Yay! And if you want to tell us your guesses for that clue, if you want to give us champion dialogues, questions, or comments about the thing that we can feature on our episode, you can contact us via Facebook at Scream101Podcast, via Twitter at Scream101Pod, on email at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com, or you can rate us five stars on iTunes so we don't suck blood out of your finger. 
Yeah. Also, you can rack up some killer karma by uh, guessing the, yes. the clues correctly. Yes. And we will add your score. And if you reach seven points, you can actually decide a movie of which we will have to talk about. Yes. Which is a horror movie. Yeah. Anyway. Within parameters. Within parameters. Uh, finally, our credits. Scream 101 podcast is produced by myself, Shannon Shalakian, and my wonderful co-host, Brennan Klein. And we have wonderful sound engineering help from our sound engineer, Lucas Cathy. He's wonderful. And also, Henry is here and laughs at our jokes sometimes and gets us to be funnier, which I appreciate. So thank you to that, too. Brennan, go. And we will be playing you out with Daddy's Sick Again by Arky Blue from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre soundtrack. Beside me, her makeup is all gone, but she's happy. The bottle on the table is empty. Wish I didn't have to wake her and tell her it's time to go, but someone is waiting. Mom, where's Daddy been? I stumbled in and Mama said Daddy's sick again. Bye.